Certainly we thank him for blessing us to have this blessed privilege of being in this place again uh, for the purpose of intaking, ingesting the word of God. Uh, certainly you look excited and enthused, uh, elated to be here, and certainly um, we thank God for this day. Thank God for this setting. Thank you, Deacon Bowie, uh, for devoting us, posturing and prepping our hearts uh, to hear from God, removing all distractions, making the way straight, and uh, leveling the plane. So we are where we need to be uh, spiritually so we can hear God. We can hear God. Amen. 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 John chapter 14. John chapter. Fourteen, verse twenty six. John chapter fourteen, verse twenty six. John chapter fifteen, verse twenty six. And John chapter sixteen, verses. Uh, 13 and 14, but John chapter 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So he's a teacher. He will bring understanding, insight uh, to the things that we are taught of God, taught of Christ. Uh, and then he brings back to the remembrance. Uh, he puts on the screen of our mind the scripture, the word of God, so we don't error. We don't error. Uh, there's a lot you have to do to error, to sin. Uh, the Holy Spirit's function is to put on the screen of our minds the Word of God. So as we are taught, he brings back to the remembrance. Amen. Amen. Now, chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father... Even the spirit of truth, spirit of truth, not spirit of error, but spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So he has conversation. He speaks, but he doesn't speak of himself. He speaks of Christ. Just like when Christ came, he didn't speak of himself. He spoke of the Father. Amen. Amen. So the spirit's function is to speak of Christ. All right, uh, John chapter 16, John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, here it is, but whatsoever he shall hear, 
that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Amen. 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 We're talking about the personality or person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few weeks ago, I asked the question, when was the last time you worshiped the Holy Spirit? Uh, because he's God. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's not a lesser God. He is God. He is equal with God. He is one with God. So when was the last time you worshiped the Holy Spirit? We, we, we feel by way of Scripture, that we are to worship the Father for creation, worship the Father for his plan of salvation, and then worship the Son for uh, the purchase, uh, for redemption, redeeming us, paying the price. But then understand the Holy Spirit, he has an active role in our salvation that he seals us. He seals us, but then he also convicts us. Without conviction, there would be no conversion. You know, a lot of us don't like a tough word, a word that confronts us, but that's what the Word of God does. It confronts us to show us our wrong, our erring ways, so that we know we are in need of a Savior. Amen. That's what Paul's argument uh, concerning the law is in Galatia, or the Galatian. Uh, It's that the Word of God in the law serves as a schoolmaster, a tutorer, to point us in the direction of Christ, that we need a Savior. So the function of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in truth, to teach us what Jesus Christ has said in the Word. So when we read the Word of God, You cannot understand the word on your own. Without the aid of the Holy Ghost, without the aid of the Holy Spirit, you will be null and void of understanding. Amen. The word was inspired according to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, the breath of God, the breath of God. Now, if you're going to understand the breath of God, then you need the Spirit of God to understand the breath of God, that you cannot understand the things of God without the aid of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You didn't just stumble up into this truth. Uh, You didn't just come to this on your own. You remember Jesus' conversation with Peter and the disciples that when he says, who do men say that the Son of Man am? And they went on and said, some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say uh, Jeremiah or just a prophet. And Peter says, well, thou art the Christ. And he said, you didn't get this from your flesh. In other words, your flesh did not reveal this unto you. You didn't get this because of sophistication, intelligence, and smart, because your flesh did not reveal this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. So if you are not endowed, endued by the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the things of God. 
You can sit a whole church service and miss the spiritual significance of being here. That you can come empty and leave empty. You can come with preconceived notions and leave with them. That no transformation, change has taken place in your life because the Holy Spirit has not been at work in your life because you don't know him. So it's imperative for us to understand the personality, the person of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about who he is. Uh, We also talked about what constitutes a person. That the Holy Spirit is a person because he's able to speak, he's able to feel, he's able to think, and he's able to act. He's a person. He's not an it. You know, some folks say, it hit me. Or something went all over me. No, the Holy Spirit is not a something. It's not an it. He's a person. Because he can speak, he can think, he can feel, and he can act. And I gave you scripture reference um, to uh, show you how the Holy Spirit, um, uh, why the Holy Spirit is a person in, his, in, that, in that he can speak, think, feel, and act. We talked about the Holy Spirit reveals the mind of God, reveals the mind of God. If the Scripture says, and it does, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit reveals the mind of Christ, that you cannot be like Christ with a carnal mind. And all of this stuff we think of and all of this stuff you think of is so unlike the mind of Christ, you know. All of the things of the world that we are so, you know, hung up on and, and um, we are so involved with, you know. We think that that's the mind of God. But the Holy Spirit reveals to us the mind of God, the mind of Christ, that if we're going to let the mind be in us, we need to know what the mind is. So, so we have like thinking. How does God think? How does Christ think? The Holy Spirit reveals unto us the mind of God. The Holy Spirit fulfills the will of God for us. I said earlier that he's our helper. He's our comforter, paraclete. He comes alongside and aid us in doing the will of God, that without the Holy Spirit, you cannot do the things of God. But with the Holy Spirit, he enables you and I to do the will of God. Without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even know what the will of God is. We would surmate the will of God to feelings, emotions. You know, most of us, or let me say, A lot of us do that anyway, that we think God's will is whatever we like or whatever make us feel a certain way. We we sum the Spirit of God to our emotions. You know, our emotions and feelings other than controlling our emotions and feelings. So he, 
gets us in tune with and accomplishes the will of God in us and through us. Now, I say it to us Sunday, and I would that we say it tonight, I need or we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you in just a minute why we need the Holy Spirit. But then, thirdly, the Holy Spirit expresses the emotions of God. That you don't see God or think of God, perceive God as an emotionless God. God has feelings. Do you not know you can hurt the heart of God? That you can sadden and grieve God? And the Holy Spirit expresses the emotions of God. We said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. That when he's resisted, when you fail to yield control of your life, your feelings, your uh, thinking, you know, your speaking and acting over to the control of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the Holy Spirit, he's grieved. He's grieved, which is, which is an expression of how God feels. Because if God is not Lord, if God is not God of your life, then that means that you have an idol. And let me help you. Self can be an idol. Your significant other, your babu, can be an idol. Your children can be an idol. Your cousin them. Your uncle them. Your auntie them. Your grandmama, granddaddy, whoever else can be an idol. Your best friend, your job can be an idol. So he's grieved when he doesn't have control, when he's not influencing your life in the way of God's will. Now, we talked about man's personality after the fall, before the rebirth. That man's soul, which is, you know, his mind, will, emotions, were ruled by his personality. So that's why I said you can be in the place of God in your own life. That if your soul, the immaterial tripart of you, which is your mind, emotions, and will, is not influenced by the Holy Spirit, then your, your soul is influenced by your spirit. Either your spirit is in charge or the Holy Spirit is in charge. Y'all with me? Let me say that again. Either your spirit is in charge or the Holy Spirit is in charge. Either you're doing it according to your feelings and, and thinking 
your own will, or you have yielded. You have yielded your life to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, your soul to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Listen, for, for, for people, really the truth is their worst enemy is self. You, you ever heard of self-righteousness? You know, self-righteousness is what you say is right. What self say is right. And um, self-righteousness is just as bad as unrighteousness. Because both are enemies of God's righteousness. So the Holy Spirit is trying to get you in tune with God's righteousness. But before he can get you in tune with God's righteousness, he has to deliver you from unrighteousness and self-righteousness. Well, if I had time, I would talk about how we live in an age and in an era where so many self-righteous people have surfaced. I mean, you think about media. Media is is so infested with self-righteousness. You know, this subjective righteousness was right according to individuals. So there's no collective righteousness. There is very little said of God's righteousness. So the Holy Spirit expresses the emotions of God. So man, you know, prior... Uh, to being saved was messed up in his mind, will, and emotions. All were ruled by his personality. Man's mind uh, became hostile to God. You know, friction. There was hostility in the mind. But then notice this, man's will became self-centered. It's all about me my and I. Think about the tone of that in worship. Most people come in wanting what they want. I didn't like that song. Wasn't singing it to you. They're singing that song unto the Lord. Now, why you made that song about you? I'm so tired of them hymns. And, 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 you know, and just go on and on about what they don't like, having a problem because self is too in the way. Amen. Self is on stage. Amen. You know, when, 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 when man fell in the garden, his will became self-centered. And he has to deliver us from that. We were born selfish. We were not born sharing and caring and loving. We were born selfish. That's why it's so hard to love, share, and care now. Because the Holy Spirit has to work overtime to deliver us from self-centeredness. Don't you know if you make a ministry about you, you're making it too small? 
and too insignificant that even as a pastor, I can't make ministry about me because it's too small. You got, it's, he, he delivered us from self-centeredness and then the emotions became filled with negative forces. Negativity. You know, and I said this, shared this last week, you have run across people, you know, that they're just negative energy. You know, you mess around and hang around them about six or seven or eight hours out of a day, you'd be so drained. Go home like you done worked a full-time job and all you have done is sit out there on the back porch and, and chopped it up a little bit with them, you know. Y'all know what chopped up, you know, just talking a little bit. And, and all they have done is dumped over on you all of that negativity. And, and, you know, the sun hadn't been out, but you back there sweating because all they have done is just, is just dumped off on you all of that negativity, negative energy, negative force. Lord, you see them coming in the grocery store. Not today. And you bend a cone on them and you go around the other, on, on the other aisle. And if they get close enough to you, you act like you're looking for some. Hey, you, you can't deal with that negative energy. Negativity. That nothing is good. You know, you, 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 have, you have dealt with people that, that have saw or that only see the glass as half empty. Instead of half full. You know, there's a lot of things are wrong. But why focus on all the wrong? Listen, I know folks got problems when they come to church, but why focusing on all that stuff? I want to focus on how God can straighten it out and what's right. You know, may not have all the folks we think ought to be in the choir, but we got some up there. Hallelujah. May not have everybody in church that we, ought to th- we think ought to be in here, but we got some up in here. You know, you got to watch it. You know, the people that don't come when you got negative energy will get in the way of the people that's coming and cause you to overlook everybody that's here and all you can focus on is who's not here. Negativity. That you, you have to watch your emotions because your emotions can run away with you. And get the best of you. Grab a hold of your life and, and you'll live a life of gloom and doom. Everything's so bad. You know, some folks don't start limping until they see you. Oh. It's bad. Don't ask them a question. They're going to give you the negative version. <laughs> because their emotions are off. And they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to work on them. To change them from negativity to positivity. From a negative force to a positive force. Now, when man accepts the Lord, uh, when he accepts Jesus Christ... He then becomes redeemed, and his personality is transformed through the work of the Holy Spirit. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the personality of man is transformed. So now, 
I have a different way of speaking and thinking and feeling and acting. A change has come over me because I have been transformed. But the transformation happens on the inside. The Holy Spirit's warehouse or workshop is on the inside. He changes us on the inside. Therefore, there's a difference in the way I speak, the way I think, the way I feel, and the way I act. There's a transformation. So, so, so redeemed man becomes Christ-like in his thinking, decisions, and emotion, emotional response. All right, here's where I want you to be. Here's where I want you to be. And I'm going to get as far as I can with this. But here's how I want you to be. I want you to see the person, a personality of the Holy Spirit revealed through Scripture. Okay? So you'll be able to identify him as you read along or as you read the Word of God. You'll be able to identify the Holy Spirit, Old and New Testament. All right? I want you to be able to identify the Holy Spirit. So as you read the Word of God, you say, that's the Holy Spirit. And then you'll know how to apply that word to your life. Because you don't just need to read something for just the sake of reading. You need application. Now I know how I am to relate. I know how I am to relate to the Holy Spirit. Now that I I, I know him in Scripture... This is how he's going to work in my life. So I'm going to give my life to him because he. My life. I'm going to be a better person. Because I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, remember now he's going to do something with your speaking. So you got to get that tongue up. And don't try to reserve your tongue and give him your arm and your legs. <laughs> you know, he's going to do something with your thinking. So you got to give him your mind. See, see, he's going to help you in your thinking. See, you just kind of worrying yourself to death. And you're using all kinds of unnecessary energy in thinking about stuff you have no ability to control. But the Holy Spirit is going to help you in your thinking. He's going to get some of that stuff off your mind that you don't need on your mind so you can give more of your mind, more of your concentration to the Lord and thinking on the things of God, the things of Christ. He's going to help you with your feelings. You don't have to feel the way you feel. You know, that, that feeling that you got, that old mad and angry feeling, you need to trade that in. It ain't doing you no good. It's, it's hurting you, and it's hindering you, and you're trying to hold on to it because you're trying to convince folks how serious you are, and you're trying to show them that you ain't playing with them no more, and you're about to play yourself out. 
sitting up there trying to convince folk that you ain't playing with them no more. Y'all in the house with me? I see some of y'all got that look on you. I ain't playing with you. Y'all got that look on your face tonight. I'm trying to work on you that I got you in here now. Me and the Holy Spirit to team up to try to work on you, to get you delivered because you, you need an alteration. You need transformation in your feelings. But then he... You know, when folks run into you, they're going to see a different you. They're going to be asking, what, what happened? See, we're not yielded enough. See, we got, we got so much of our lives reserved for ourselves. Uh, God, I'm going to let you have this over here. I'm going to let you control me on this end. But now let me just kind of hang on to this over here. And this stuff is about to kill us because we don't understand the blessedness of letting go and letting the Holy Spirit transform us. I'm a changed man. Yeah, y'all think I'm something now. Y'all should have saw me in my teen years. Ooh. I look in the mirror and say, boy, you a changed man. You know, anytime somebody come up to you and, and they just cuss you out and you don't cuss them back. See, I'm trying to shop for y'all. Now I'm fishing for you now. You know, anytime somebody come and threaten you not, and you don't go back at them like that, you know, say something like, I wish you would. You so changed, you are surprised to yourself. And that's how it ought to be, you know, when you know God has worked on you and, and has altered and changed you and transformed you, that you can take some stuff now that you can take, you know, a few years ago. Okay, y'all quiet. You, you couldn't take yesterday. <laughs> you know, some are just... Straight off the conversion line. Yeah, you caught me yesterday. But you, you celebrating the change because you know he has changed you. You're not uh, retaliating. You're not, you know, you didn't put your shovel down. While they shoveling dirt trying to dig a ditch for you, you say an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. And now you change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the Holy Spirit, let, let, me, let me deal with it. Old and New Testament emblems of the Holy Spirit. Emblems of the Holy Spirit. Number one, all. All. That all represents the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit for God's purposes. Now, I want you to write that. That all represents the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit 
for God's purposes. You know, when a person says they've been anointed, they are saying they have been empowered. And it's really not so much of the outward act is the inward change, the inward empowerment. Now, the outward act is only an expression of what should have happened or has happened on the inside. You know, if, if, if I had a bottle of oil and I said, well, we're going to anoint tonight, you know, and I lay my hands on your head. You know, it's, it's not really the outward act. It's the interchange. It's like water baptism. That the water baptism does not save. It's an outward expression of an inward change. The baptism of the Holy Spirit that has, that has changed you on the inside. The Holy Spirit has, has, has come to dwell in. But the water baptism is just an outward showing or sign, symbol of an inward truth. You know, we put so much emphasis on outward acts. Outward acts, but very little emphasis on inward change, inward empowerment. Now, notice that all represents the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit for God's purposes. Now, let's look at it in the Old Testament. Priests were consecrated and appointed as all was poured upon their heads. Now, watch this. In the Old Testament, priests were consecrated and appointed as all was poured upon their head. So, priests were appointed. They were consecrated, set aside. So, it was uh, uh, an act to show that they had been set aside, dedicated for the use of God, for God's purposes. Now, notice Exodus chapter 29, verse 7. And you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Now, remember, it was to consecrate, to set him apart for the use of God. That's what consecration means. That every child of God should be set apart from the world for the purposes of God. That's why you can't bring all of that worldly stuff out there and try to implement it up in here. Because there has to be a consecration, a separation, setting apart for the use of God. Does that make sense? 
So, so we, have to, we have to understand that now, that, that, that God wants us to be different. You know, that's what consecration means, to be different. You can't socialize with the world and try to spiritualize them. Y'all with me? The reason churches are so weak is because we are trying to look like, talk like, act like, feel like the world. No consecration. Now, what do you expect to get when you come in here? Do you expect this to be like a club? Now, I, I just kind of have to poll you. What, what, what are you expecting to see? What are you expecting to hear? Somebody tell you it's okay to act against God? There's no consecration. Because when God's purposes are in place, then God's purpose is to make you like him. That's why he said in the very beginning, let us make man in our likeness. You see that? So now the plan of God is to bring us back, humanity back, into the likeness. So there has to be consecration. Now, listen to this. Kings were also anointed, all as they took up office. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flat of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. Now, notice he took a bowl. Now, there's a significance in that. If I had time, I would talk about a bowl is man-made. That Saul was not God's choice. He was the people's choice. So he was anointed from a man-made bowl. Watch David in 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. So notice a horn, a heifer's horn is God made. A man cannot make a horn grow on a cow or a bull. So Saul was never God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. 
in their rejection of God. So God says, okay, Samuel, you go down and anoint Samuel, Saul, but anoint him out of a bowl. Which is an expression of Saul being man's choice. But anoint David from a heifer's horn as a symbol of David being my choice because I will send the Messiah through David's lineage. Y'all missing it. See, there's significance in, in, in all how God works through all, how God works through all and how God anoints. So it's a consecration empowering for God's purpose. And we know David was a great warrior. He was known as a man after God's what? Own heart. Now, David era, we know David sinned and David did all kinds of things. And and a matter of fact, he couldn't build a temple because blood was on his hand, you know, all that. And uh, but but God still promised David. David had a heart of repentance. He knew how to, you know, stay in tune and in touch with God. Unlike Saul, Saul sinned, and uh, Saul thought none of his sin. He always tried to cover over or cover up his sin. Therefore, he never repented. You don't see in Scripture where Saul repented. Now, are you a Saul or David? Have you been anointed from a bowl or horn? Boy, I I, I got to quit. I got five minutes. Let me deal with the next one. So that's the oil. We see the oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. In Scripture. All right. Let me give you another example why my mind is on it. You know, in Matthews, uh, 25 tales of 10 virgins. Five wise, five foolish. And it speaks of all in that particular story or parable. uh, Five foolish ran out, and uh, they had no reserve. They didn't have enough. And the five wise had. Now, let me tell you what people can't borrow from you. They can't borrow the anointing of God from you. You know, they said, let us borrow some oil. (laughs) They can't borrow consecration and empowerment. Your children can't borrow consecration and empowerment. We have four. And... um, you know, my children being saved because I'm a preacher is like your car being a Porsche or a Rolls Royce because it's in a garage. You can take a Yugo or a Kia Sophia into a garage, and because it's in a garage, doesn't make it a, a Porsche or a Lamborghini. 
Matter of fact, if you put, well, you may not be able to put a Lamborghini motor in a Hugo body, but, you know. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, is they can't borrow that from you. They have to be consecrated and empowered by the Holy Spirit for themselves. It's important to know that so we'll know how to relate to. To relate to. We think because we save that that automatically, you know, save our children. You see that in Job. See, God told Job now, or he told Satan, uh, in regards to Job, you can touch his body. You can touch his possessions, but you can't touch his soul. But he never said that about Job's children. Because Job's children, while Job was praying, were partying. You know, they went to each other's houses. And they had shindigs and had good times. Enjoyed themselves. Until Satan messed around and put his hands on them. Killed all of them in one day. They can't borrow consecration and empowerment. Water, number two. And, and I'll end with this one. Water. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, now you need to write this, is compared to the function of water. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is compared to the function of water. That the Holy Spirit can refresh, quench, and cleanse. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is compared to that of the function of water. That the Holy Spirit can refresh, quench, and cleanse. The Holy Spirit brings forth life. Now, you, you know, in Job 14, it, it talks about a man born of a woman, and then it goes on to say your man die, you know, uh, you know, and all that, and then he likens it unto a tree, tree being cut off, but then at the scent of rain, it buds. That means that new life has been brought forth. See, with us, God has cut the tree. At times, he cut the tree, but he leaves the stump. So you are not totally annihilated, totally destroyed. He gives you grace to bring forth a bud new life. That, that, that you can be cut off and cut down, but when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, he can grow you back. Now, let me finish this. Notice Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit 
on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Notice he's talking about pouring, pouring, pouring. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass after that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my men servant and on my maid servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Write this one down, John chapter 7. Verses 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures or scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the living water Christ spoke of that flows within us. Thank you, Lord that I'm not as a dry, parched wasteland. That there's flowing water. I'm always refreshed. Mm, thank you, Lord. I'm always quenched. Which means I'm always satisfied. And he's constantly cleansing. On the inside, rivers of flowing water, there's a stream on the inside of me that, that, that my stream, my river, will never run dry. Now, that may not excite you all. <laughs> but it excites me that, that I'm refreshed. I, I wake up refreshed. Mm. I live a satisfied life. I'm trying to get you somewhere now. See, if you just yield, I told you, if you just yield to the work of the Holy Spirit, you'll be satisfied. And that satisfaction is not predicated upon the material things you can possess. But the Spirit of God on the inside, you know, helping you in your thinking. You know, because some of the stuff you're mad about not having, you really don't need. Some of the folks you bothered about not hanging around with, you really don't need to be around them. You mad because they didn't invite you. And God trying to get you spiritual and you trying to go to the party 
and be like them, and he's trying to make you like him. And he didn't cut your little buddy list down. And you riding there talking about why they won't call. God won't let them. And you riding there fumbling in your phone trying to call them. <laughs> You're not satisfied. I'm satisfied if they don't call. I can be all by myself at the house and get happy. I can have, I can have a, a, a party all by myself. Because when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all he has done for me, I ought to have some witnesses here. My soul. Let me leave that alone. I, I, I just have to quit. I, I just have to quit. I'm, I'm done. I'm through. But I, I just want us to be able to relate to him. So when, he, when he's trying to be active in your life, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to recognize him and you'll yield. Holy Spirit, work your works in my life. I need you to work in my life that I'll be who God wants me to be. My life be pleasing to the Lord so work on me change me from the inside out amen amen any questions any questions any questions yes ma'am Old men will dream dreams, and young men will see vision. Um, dreams, dreams, something that occurs, you know, as you're unconscious. You know, if we say dreams are, uh, it may be something that has happened. It may be something that's forecast to happen. So a dream. Uh, I've had dreams that have helped me avoid certain responses. Yeah, to keep me from saying a certain thing. To stay out of trouble. You know, he'll speak to you in dreams. But then visions are, you know, revelation. Revelation of God. Young men will see vision, forecast, something they've reached to. Reached to. So God can speak to old men and, and dream. Not to say that men, old men won't receive revelation. But, you know, as young men, can God can point them. Uh, and, and give them perspective on ministry. Sometimes when we get a certain age, we get stuck in our ways. 
And if we even if we see a vision, we don't want to comply because we're so used to doing something one way. Yeah. So, uh, give me next week, and I'll expound more on that for you. Okay. All right. Anyone else? I thank God that I'm seeing visions. That's right.